0: Right now, get up to sixty percent off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com dot com slash bluewire. That's sixty percent off at Babbel.com dot com slash bluewire. Spelled b a b b e l. dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host James Anderson, and we've got a mailbag episode for you here today. Uh, great questions this week, um, per usual. Uh, so thank you for those, and uh, actually, really great questions this week. Better, better than usual, I would say. Uh, we're bought, brought to you by Fantrax, per usual, and uh, love love that uh, sponsorship with Fantrax. Definitely my favorite site to play Dynasty on. Uh, as always, you know, around this time time of the year, if you want to know my in depth thoughts on. Prospects, uh, there's a pretty good chance I wrote their outlook on the site, at least for the top 150 players or so. Uh, and then I've written a few dozen more for guys that might be up this year. Uh, you can always reach me in the RotoWire MLB Slack room as, or um, Discord room as well, or on Twitter. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, uh, welcome. Uh, hope you enjoy the video and please subscribe and, and like the videos if you do. Okay, uh, first question this week is from Todd Whitestone, my NFBC partner. I hope you're doing well, Todd. Um, Todd wants to know if the Cubs need an early SP this season, how would you rate Ben Brown versus Kate Horton? Uh, he also wants to know if Will Warren of the Yankees is given an opportunity to start in the majors, how would I assess his readiness? Uh, well, Todd and I took Cade uh, Horton with our final pick of a road online championship uh, a week ago. So I'm guessing he is wondering how I'm feeling about that pick. Um, so, Ben Brown of the Cubs, you know, I think he would need to improve his control uh, pretty significantly to be usable as a starting pitcher in the big leagues for them this year, Uh, which it could happen, but uh, I'm not really holding my breath on that with Ben Brown. I do think he eventually ends up in the bullpen. Um, And I would be probably skeptical enough of any perceived control gains with Brown uh, until he at least turned over a big league lineup multiple times on multiple occasions, at which point he'd probably already be rostered. Uh, Horton, on the other hand, really doesn't need to do anything um, like I, I think I think Horton's big league ready right now uh, and talked about this last week with uh, Chris Clegg but uh, you know it does sort of seem that just the way the Cubs are hand, handling Horton this spring that they're kind of slow playing him a little bit um, with the intention of having him join the big league rotation but uh you know I don't think they want to just have Kate Horton um, just max out his innings by August, you know, like they want to be able to use uh, Horton in the playoffs. Um, So, you know, Horton didn't even get invited to big league camp. Now I I know that there's been reporting um, from Lance that uh, this is just kind of way the Cubs do things. It's what they did with Jordan Wicks and Caleb Killian in previous seasons. Um, So it's just, it looks to me like Kate Horton is going to join the rotation in may or june um so you know i'd kind of plan for that if he's up sooner that's great um but yeah i think i think you get plenty of kate horton in the big leagues it's just going to be more of a, a summer thing than a, than a spring thing um as for will warren of the yankees uh love will warren uh thought he looked great uh, the other day in uh in spring training um I would happily add Will Warren in Fab in uh, competitive mixed leagues if it was reported that he was getting the call. Uh, I would like him to throw to Jose Trevino rather than Austin Wells once he's up. and i I wouldn't be throwing him out there against like the best offenses in the league or anything like that, uh, at least right away. but uh, will Warren is definitely a mixed league caliber. Uh, pitching prospect this year. I think he is big league ready too. So uh, just a question of when the Yankees decide that it's, it's his time to join that rotation. Maybe it's just a spot start or something like that, but very excited to see will Warren make his big league debut this year. Uh, Trader Andy says, what's the ETA for Victor Scott of the Cardinals and what type of impact can he make? Uh, So Scott, as, as many of you know, is he's kind of like an old school leadoff hitter type. Uh, more batting average than obp not as much pop as the typical modern leadoff hitter uh but he could also hit you know eighth or ninth early in his career due to that lack of pop um, and that the lack of you know a, a high walk rate uh but he you know once he is up and playing he's gonna run wild he's gonna bunt for hits um he's just a, a three alarm fire like whenever he's on first base or even second base like you know, you're just really nervous if you're the, the pitcher. Um, you kind of expect him to just go right away, um, and he's going to cause havoc. Like that, that ends up really kind of getting into some pitchers' heads. Um, the thing that I have that kind of drew me to Scott initially um, over some other, uh, you know, similarly uh, skilled players is that he actually goes up there looking to pull the ball. Uh, and pull the ball in the air in certain counts uh, which is important because a lot of these 80 grade speed guys just try to make weak contact the opposite field and just get on first base uh, that approach will work really well in the lower levels of the minors but um, I really liked that Victor Scott you know he didn't necessarily even need to be doing this but he he's up there he's looking to drive the ball into the gaps and he will hit Um, some home runs, like, I don't, I don't think he'll be a zero in homers. I wouldn't, you know, he, he's going to steal so many bases if he hits enough to play every day that you only need him to be like a 10 homer guy to, to really be loving it. Um, I think like for, for Victor Scott's like absolute fantasy ceiling, you know, you could be maybe talking about, uh, like a Carl Crawford type of year, or maybe a Whit Merrifield type of year. Um, but that's just, that's kind of, something you're you're dreaming on i don't think that's um overly realistic like you know it it could happen but um he's probably not quite as good of a a pure hitter as those guys but um especially crawford crawford was incredibly talented um but you know it does kind of seem to me like just based on what the cardinals are doing and how the pieces fit it does seem like they're kind of keeping center field open for him long term uh and, you know, he's for ETA, I think spring training is going to be huge with, with Victor Scott. Uh, Chris and I didn't talk about him last week, but, uh, you know, he could make a lot of noise this spring. I, I don't think he would break camp in the big leagues unless maybe like Tommy Edmond opens there on the IL or something like that. But um, if Scott has a really impressive spring training, we could see him in the first half. And, you know, he's going to be a, extremely uh hot commodity in roto leagues because of that speed. Uh Bennett Carroll says, "What is a realistic expectation for Colson Montgomery of the White Sox and his future?" And Bennett says, "You have to account for him being on the White Sox in this scenario." Um I, you know, I, I really feel bad for White Sox fans because every couple of months I get a question about Montgomery and I can smell their desperation for him to be a face of the franchise type of star shortstop. Uh, that's, that's not meant to be a, a knock on Montgomery. Uh, I expect him to have a, a longish career as an everyday player. Uh, that's a really great outcome for any number 22 overall pick. I just don't see superstar upside with Montgomery. Like he's not a, a franchise saver. There aren't, that doesn't really exist in baseball um, as we've seen in Anaheim, but um You know he's just he's gonna be he's gonna be good I think, uh, but he's not gonna be a a superstar. Um, You know he probably fits best at third base, but they're gonna keep him at shortstop as long as they possibly can, uh, maybe even longer than that. And he could, you know, for what could what could Montgomery do? Um, I you know I think he's not too dissimilar from like Edward Julian with the Twins on offense at least with. You know, strong OBP skills, ability to hit for average to above average power, especially against righties. Like those are kind of Montgomery's carrying tools, um, and he's not going to get platoon like like Julian has. But um, you know, I'd I'd be really pumped if I were a White Sox fan and Montgomery was turned into like a twenty five homer bat that you could just hit second or third in the lineup. I mean, that's not going to be a strong lineup, so I would assume he'll be hitting there anyways. But um yeah he, he's good but just don't don't be like don't put all your eggs in the colson montgomery basket is basically what i'm saying uh la williams says what do you believe is keeping dustin harris of the rangers from cracking the majors will he need to leave the texas organization um so you know, i mean he's just not better than their big league options at the positions he can play uh texas is in a great position they've got a strong farm system and a loaded big league roster and better players than dustin harris have been shut out of playing time in similar situations on other teams so you know it's it's a little unfortunate for him that he is in such a loaded org um but he's he's kind of limited to you know first base maybe left field um So there's there's a high bar for him to clear offensively to get a look. You know, you don't see a team as good as the Rangers give a guy with like 50 grade power um go out of their way to give that guy run at at first base or, or DH, really. So um he either needs to really kind of up his skill level, uh, or he does need a trade, or maybe an injury to someone like Nathaniel Lowe or or Wyatt Langford or something like that. But uh, you know, they've Ezekiel Duran's still going to be kind of an odd man out once Corey Seeger's healthy, so I don't I don't really see Dustin Harris um, getting a look really with the Rangers. Uh, so hopefully you know if you're if you're holding Harris, hopefully he gets traded at this year's deadline. Uh, Leo, Life of Riley, uh, of these Padres outfield prospects. Uh, and then he lists Samuel Zavala, Jacob Marcy, Graham Paul, and Dylan Head. Who is the best near-term and dynasty value? Um, He says he's seen Marcy mentioned elsewhere, either as a sleeper or a potential bust. Similarly, Paulie has gotten some favorable notices recently, and he says Zavala and Head are are further off than those two, and how does Jackson Merrill possibly switching to the outfield impact the situation? So a lot to unpack there with the Padres, um, young outfielders on the way uh you know i think one or both of marcy and polly uh polly is kind of you know he plays all over so um maybe he debuts in the outfield maybe he debuts as a utility option maybe he debuts at second or third base um but one or both of marcy and polly um could be up this summer uh you never know i mean they they both um they're old enough they accomplished enough in the minors last year that them being up early this year wouldn't be crazy either especially just looking at that depth chart um i prefer marcy uh to polly because of like just how good he was in the arizona fall league you know that it's a it's a very favorable environment to put up big numbers but you know he at least showed that he's capable of putting up big numbers like that um and he's a legitimate threat to steal 20 plus bases in the majors i think you know Marcy is not a burner like Victor Scott, but he obviously knows how to take a base. Um, and you know, Paulie is probably a safer bet than Marcy to be up this year uh, just because he he can play all over. Um, but I do kind of have Paulie pegged as a future utility player, um, whereas I think Marcy can be kind of a, a low end um, you know center fielder left fielder or whatever they want to do with him uh so jackson merrill that does it does kind of seem like jackson merrill has kind of leapfrogged those guys in terms of who's going to get to the big leagues first and that makes sense because he's the most talented of those five players um he's probably you know i think he's going to hold his own he's he's just such a good uh, natural hitter that i don't think jackson merrill would uh, embarrass himself against big league pitching um you know and and I like Merrill more at second base or third base, but uh, obviously, those spots are spoken for, so that's why you're seeing Merrill get work in the outfield. Uh, he can probably handle left field, Marcy, you know, solid center fielder, so that could be maybe a, a long term uh way they deploy things with uh, Merrill and left, Marcy in center, and and Tatis and right. Um, now for the the two further away guys samuel zavala and dylan head um you know i i don't love comps but i i do kind of like uh, a ceiling comp with zavala of ian happ um i think he could be that kind of guy for fantasy which is you know really strong obp doesn't really wow you with the uh, power or the speed but he does a little bit and then um you know you're just hoping he compiles the, the runs in rbi because of that obp like Hap does, um, but I think Zavala is more kind of a 2025, 2026 type of guy, and you know I don't know if he's, you know maybe he takes a step forward as a power hitter, but I don't know if he's good enough to really leapfrog uh, the guys we discussed if they're if they're playing well. Could be used in a trade, and then head of of these guys, you know even really including Merrill, head is kind of the lottery ticket guy. Um, He's the guy with the, the loudest tools, um, but he's also just the furthest away. Uh, he's probably three-plus years away from big leagues. Um, so, you know, my rankings uh, up on the site, I uh, strongly recommend getting roadwire.com subscription, by the way, but um, that'll tell you who I like the most for Dynasty. It's Merrill, then there's a gap, then it's Zavala and Marcy, and then and Head, and then there's a, another gap to, to Pauly um okay bg says what are my thoughts on jackson merrill of the padres and his potential impact this year and then only sports fans fantasy academy asked um, what are your thoughts on jackson merrill of the padres and brooks lee of the twins can you provide some comps for both also who do you think will stick at shortstop and contribute more this year so merrill is the better prospect than Brooks Lee. Uh, and I expect Merrill to get to the big league sooner than Lee, uh, more because of his team's depth chart versus the twin step chart than anything else. But um, I like Merrill more for this year. I like Merrill more long-term than Brooks Lee. Uh, Merrill's not a burner by any stretch, but he's going to steal some bases, You know, maybe 10 to 15 bases before he gets into his late 20s. Whereas Brooks Lee, I think it could be you know he could be close to like a zero in the speed department, which is tricky when you're a short um, because most of the other short are stealing double digit bases uh, so that just puts more pressure on um, you know the batting average the the power uh, for fantasy um, So if we assume Merrill is up for most or all the season, you know that that could be fun um, but I think they're they're kind of rushing him out of necessity uh, more than anything, really. So it's not like I think Jackson Merrill is like poised to just really um, make waves in the big leagues this year. I think if he holds his own, I think that'd be an accomplishment. Um, so, you know, like 10, 10 to 15 homers, 10 to 15 steals from Merrill. Um, you know, I think long-term he could actually be similar – to his teammate, Xander Bogarts, um, at least what Bogart showed last year uh, with the Padres, not like peak Boston version of Xander Bogarts, but, you know, giving you some power, giving you some speed. Um, he can, Merrill could end up being one of those guys that really helps your batting average, at least at his peak, uh, like Bogarts does. In um, it, But like short term, he's kind of more like uh, Joey Ortiz with the Brewers, where, you know, you're just kind of, you know, maybe, maybe it's 265 with 10 homers, 10 steals, that type of thing, and probably hitting in the bottom third of the lineup. Um, as for, for Brooks Lee, you know, it's, it's funny you asked about both these guys. Cause I, my comp for both of them went to guys that they might get to play with. Um, like Lee could be the sort of healthy Minnesota version of Carlos Correa at his peak, uh, not prime Houston version or anything like that. But um, you know, peak brooks lee if everything goes really well you know he's a 20 plus homer hitter who who helps your batting average maybe not quite like 280 290 but like 270 275 something like that so um there's a couple comps for you uh okay paul max says am i wrong to stay away from dodger pitching prospects they just have so many good ones plus they just landed shohei otani for 2025 Uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, and Tyler Glass now. Uh, It just seems like the odds are stacked against any of their prospect landing in the rotation. I know Bobby Miller beat those odds, but that just means there's even one less spot for the others. So, Paul Max, I've I've actually thought about this exact thing um, um, before this offseason several times. Um, I hadn't really kind of fully sort of figured out what i think the answer to to it was but i had thought about this because you do look at that dodger uh prospect depth chart and it's like you could really talk yourself into a bunch of these guys but um when the hell are they gonna actually be in that rotation because it's it's nice to have good pitching prospects in you know, i think the dodgers probably the best team to have a a starting pitcher uh pitch for just for fantasy purposes but um it doesn't do you any good if that guy's just stuck at triple a and never getting an opportunity because pitchers break and so the longer a guys waiting his turn to triple a the more likely it is they get injured before he gets to the big league so uh, i understand the spirit of the question um kyle hurd i think is the the most obvious and example of like a guy who's just he might never really even be given a look as a big league starter for the Dodgers, uh, I think he could. I think he could do it. Um, but you know, they they showed uh, they're willing to use him out of the bullpen last year. Uh, the stuff obviously plays out of the bullpen. So I think it's it's probably more likely that Kyle Hurt helps fantasy teams this year as a guy that's getting you saves and wins in relief with ratios and strikeouts than actually getting spot starts for the big club. Uh, but that, you know, that could happen. We'll probably get a better idea once we sort of see how they're using Hurt early in the season. Uh, Gavin Stone is another one. Um, I think Gavin Stone's going to make double digit starts in the majors this year, one way or another. I just think he's ready. Uh, I think he's going to be much better this year than he was for, for most of last year. And, you know, enough of their pitchers come with some injury red flags that, um, I just think there will be starts available to someone like gavin stone who's waited his turn um you know i'm not downgrading emmett sheehan or stone for dynasty strictly because they're dodgers and it's crowded just because both Sheehan and stone they're big league ready uh it is still you know arguably the best team context out there um for a, a fantasy starting pitcher but I, you know, I, I would have Kyle Hurt ranked higher if I thought that he was just poised to join the Dodgers rotation. And um, same thing with the guys behind um, Hurt. You know, it's just kind of like, do you want this guy to get traded? Um, because then it's just faster to, to a big league rotation than having to wait for the Dodgers to, to call your number. Um, so I, I definitely understand the the spirit of the question. Um. You know, I'm not downgrading someone like Jackson Ferris, who's two-plus years away from the big leagues because so much can happen before then, and you know maybe he gets traded. Um, but uh, there's another Dodgers pitching prospect I want to talk about uh, with you guys, and that's River Ryan. Uh, he was making some waves uh, a week ago or so based on where he was ranked on some other lists. Uh, but first, I want to throw it to a message from our sponsors. so as I mentioned, you, you definitely want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, like the videos if that's where you're watching. We really appreciate that. Um, come hang out with me. uh slash chat is the way to get to the Discord MLB room. Um but you know, one thing that's that's really going on in my life these days is I am on fan tracks and I am constantly making picks in dynasty drafts. I think I've got uh, two or three first year player drafts going on right now. We obviously do those on Fantrax, with the exception of one league uh, that I really wish was on Fantrax, because we've got there, there have just been a bunch of email threads. Like I'm getting spam emails in my inbox from people that are trying to add these unlisted players. Uh, in this other league on this other site because they don't have any of the prospects we want in the system. So then the commissioner of that league is stuck, you know, saying, wait, don't pick up that player. Like we got a placeholder here. Don't, this is how you submit your placeholders. It's just a bunch of emails. They, they end up in my inbox. It's annoying. Um, but that's for sites that don't play on fan tracks. If you're playing on fan tracks, you don't have to worry about any of that because the commissioner doesn't have to add these players because they're already in the system. Um, I'm also in the, uh, tout wars draft and hold on Fantrax right now. Uh, we had a, just an absolutely epic, uh, closer run. I think, uh, Jeff and Fred discussed it on, on yesterday's pod, but from like the middle of the eighth round till the middle of the ninth round, uh, I think 10, 10 or 12 closers went basically. Uh, I was sitting there on the clock on Fantrax. I have Craig Kimbrell at the top of my queue. I have Paul Seewald, um not even in my queue. I'm like, I'm getting Craig Kimbrell here. Then Fred Zinke snipes me. He takes Craig Kimbrell. It takes me about two seconds to go on Fantrax, find the next best closer available. I jump on Paul Sewald, and it was kind of a um, – I was sort of tilting a little bit because I missed out on Kimbrell and I was just like, F this, I'm, I'm getting the closer. Paul Seewald, it was so easy on Fantrax. It would have taken me probably, you know, 30 seconds instead of two seconds if I'd been on another platform. So you got to be playing on Fantrax. Um, sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com slash roadwire Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Okay, so as I said, uh River Ryan, you know, shouts to River Ryan of the Dodgers. Um, you know, he's only been um working as a as a pitcher for a couple of years. So it's it's a really great story that he's even kind of in this position where he's getting ranked so high on some sites and not so high on others. Sedona says River Ryan is ranked 19th on Fangraphs and 33 on Keith Law's top 100 list. He's 375 on yours. Why are you so low on him? So, as you probably know, um, I don't look at other lists. I I trust my process. I don't want to be subliminally impacted by what I see. Uh, But I obviously saw the River Ryan frenzy on Twitter after he was ranked that high by those two analysts, um, both of whom I, I respect. Um, I mean Keith Law is you know one of the people that I followed first you know way over a decade ago when I was first getting into prospects um, I know Eric's just always at always at a park so I mean those those guys I uh, really respect their work. Uh, I don't have personal relationships with them but um yeah, you know, I definitely respect their work. Um, now River Ryan he's he's just such an interesting case because. Like, I generally believe in the phrase hitters will tell you how good a pitcher is. And Ryan's, uh, and basically strikeouts and walks, right? That's how hitters will tell you. Um, Ryan's K minus walk rate, which is my favorite stat to look at, um, it's publicly available. uh, It was basically mid pack. um, And I don't mean just mid pack amongst legitimate prospects, it was just mid pack among all pitchers in whatever kind of query you want to do, whether it's Texas League Double A, whatever. So hitters were basically telling us last year that Ryan, that River Ryan's kind of a mid-pack uh, type of pitcher. Um, now, I, obviously, I knew he had a big fastball, good breaking ball, um, loud stuff. Um, obviously, he's he's fairly new to pitching, um, but there's a reason why most converted position players end up in the bullpen. It's really, really hard to learn all the tricks of the trade quickly enough to develop as a starting pitcher. And so while Ryan's statistical output says he's a pretty boring uh, pitching prospect in a crowded system, we've got longtime evaluators and their sources saying he's got all these plus pitches. So I understand it's it's a conundrum for, for dynasty players. Um, you know, I'm going to bump up my River Ryan ranking on the late march update uh there's really not that big of a difference between being ranked like 375 and 175. um it really kind of flattens out you know around 175 200. um and so i i don't want my readers to be giving him away um to someone who'd offer them much more than my rank suggests but i'm also not like swayed that i should have ryan in the top 100. um I won't be stubborn about it if I see Ryan actually translating the raw stuff into a more dominant performance in the majors. Uh, But I generally rank pitchers based on what they do against hitters, and not based on just the pure pitch grades. Um, You know, it's part like it's it's kind of like part of the reason why you know I don't have Henry LaLanne ranked as like my number three starting pitching prospect because he's just forever away from the majors um so much can go wrong um you know i don't know how far away river ryan is from kind of putting it all together and getting the results we'd expect from a guy with his stuff but last year 136 pitchers logged 70 or more innings at double a and of those 136 pitchers ryan's 13.1 minus k-walk rate ranked 70th so just as mid pack as you can get. Um, you know, that's me kind of explaining my process. Um, you know, it's also, it'd be one thing if he were like 21 years old, but he's, you know, obviously he's 25. He turns 26 in August. So um, maybe he just puts it all together and I look like an idiot for having him rank that low. I know there's been times where. You know we've all we've all had bad ranks before uh but i've never moved a guy up just because someone else had him ranked really high i've never moved a guy down just because someone else had him ranked really low um so i'm not i'm not gonna just do that because of those guys i will move river ryan up quite a bit because as i said it, it is pretty flat in that range and you know, there are definitely going to be people out there that value him as a top 50, top 75 type prospect. Ev uh, says, how is the seemingly new approach to the way teams are handling prospects affecting your rankings, if at all? Proximity has typically been a major factor for you. Wondering if anything's changed in that regard. So I still really care about proximity, especially with pitchers. And I don't think I need to adjust the prospect rankings based on what teams are doing. Um, It's not like all of a sudden teams are just largely jumping their 18 and 19 year old hitters to the big leagues. Um, There's still a developmental process that every player is going to have to go through. And, you know, it's, I wouldn't like, like junior Camanero with the Rays, for instance, you know, he gets a surprise call to the big leagues last year. I wouldn't have Junior Caminero ranked like 12th instead of 4th if he hadn't made the big leagues last year. Like The talent is the talent. Junior Caminero would be a 4th-ranked prospect if he never got to the big leagues last year. Um, To me, I think for for FB, for the question, the biggest impact really is, um, in, in fantasy at least, is in redraft. It's not in dynasty. Redraft players need to know the minors better than they had to 10, 20 years ago, even five years ago, um, because teams are just getting as cheap as possible. Um, They all looked at like all the owners, except for some of them, um, the ones that actually care about like trying to win championships. Most of the owners looked at what the Rays were doing and they were like, well, they're barely spending any money and yet they're winning 90 games. Uh, Why don't we do what they're doing? So you have these teams um, trying to get as much production as they can from pre-arb players. So there's there's really not as much merit to just doing the kind of, oh, I just only draft old boring guys because there aren't as many old boring guys playing anymore. And the older you are, if you're playing, that means you're really good. So um, I think it's just an adjustment that redraft players are going to have to make where um, you can't just completely ignore the minors anymore uh, because that's we're going to see guys keep debuting because teams are trying to get, as cheap as possible. Uh, David Scott says, in a current draft picking 480 total prospects, are there any super deep guys that you think may pop? So I get variations of this question all the time, and the answer is kind of the same. Uh, The guys who I think may pop are already ranked highly. So it's baked in to the rankings. And then there are obviously going to be deeper guys who could pop. But they're not the guys i'm expecting to pop right so uh the younger and less experienced a player is the more that like a strong couple of months is going to impact their value um, so like paulino santana uh, the rangers top international free agent signee this this past uh, january um if he's awesome in his first two months as a pro that's gonna mean a lot more for his stock than if some 24 year old is awesome in his first two months this year at Double AA. Um, so if you're looking for guys who could be big risers who I've got ranked pretty low, look for teenagers um, that I've kind of already got, you know, in that like 150 to 200 range, um, you, you know, use the filters on the top 400. Like I, you know, I think my rankings are really good, but part of the value in the rankings is the tools that exist in the rankings. You use the MyLeagues feature, use those filters and go to hitters, go to like for age, put in like less than or equal to 20 or whatever. And you'll just get a big list of hitters who with you know, a good couple of months could really pop. Uh, Brandon Hawker says, what's the difference between, or what are the differences between James Wood of the Nationals and uh, James Wood now and Elliot de la Cruz last year. Uh, do you see a similar upside with both? So, Elliot um, de la Cruz was a top 10 prospect from July 2020, 2022, uh, right when he was promoted to Double I had Elliot de la Cruz as a top 10 prospect until he graduated this past summer. James Wood peaked on the rankings at number 11 in July of 2022 when he was at Single A with the Padres, and he's been in the 19 to 22 range since uh, since the end of the 2023 regular season, I should say. So obviously that tells you I'm I'm higher, or I was higher on De La Cruz when he uh, was at Double A than I than I am on Wood. And uh, really, the big reason for that is just the steals. Um, Wood is going to steal bases. Like, that's part of what makes him exciting. But he's still on 48 bases in 231 pro games. Uh, De La Cruz stole 47 bases in 120 games in 2022 alone. So we're just we're not talking about the same type of impact potential in that category. Uh, a lot of the rest of the, the stuff is pretty similar. Um, like, I could see James Wood and Elia Cruz being pretty similar from a power and a batting average and an OBP standpoint. But I just think De La Cruz is going to steal at least twice as many bases per year than Wood. And Wood is, I do think Wood will slow down um, sooner than De La Cruz slows down. So it it's going to be way more steals for De La Cruz right away, but like five years, seven years from now that gap might even be bigger because I do think Wood eventually is going to be more of kind of like a 10 to 15 steel guy in his late 20s all right michael thomas says what do you think oswald peraza's role with the yankees is this year and into the future so peraza i think is a bench player this year barring an injury ahead of him and the hope is that he takes over third base or second base whenever dj mayhew stops getting consistent playing time or glaber torres gets dealt uh i wouldn't deal torres but he's been in enough rumors that you know, I think it's should at least be considered a possibility. So you know, I think Boone is going to ride with LeMahieu over Peraza until he can't really justify it anymore. And Peraza certainly wasn't good enough last year to make him um, reconsider that. So a bench player now. And then the hope is that he just takes over um, when LeMahieu kind of gets phased out. But LeMay, who's under contract for a while, so it, it might not even be next year that that happens. Uh, Ryan Keller, I'm looking for one or two guys that have top 25 prospect potential heading into 2025 but are not currently in your top 75. Ideally, I prefer prospects with a plus or but potential plus power speed combination. So if they've got um, plus power speed potential and they're not in my top 75, then you're either going to be waiting a long time or there are some pretty glaring flaws elsewhere in the profile, but I'll humor you. Um, Polino Santana, who I mentioned with the Rangers, uh, Ty Pete um, shortstop with the Yankee or with the uh, Mariners and Yofrey Rodriguez, uh, Rodriguez outfielder with the Brewers. Uh, I think they kind of fit the general spirit of the question. Um you know, they've either not played at all, uh, like Santana, uh, have only played in the Dominican summer league like Rodriguez or barely played after getting drafted last year, like Pete. So, you know, I don't think, I don't think I can say with like confidence, like Santana has got plus speed and plus power. Like I think he might, uh, you know, Ty Pete was at the combine. So I think you could say type Pete has plus raw power and plus speed. Um, and it's just a question of, you know, can he get to that raw power consistently in games? You know, how's the hit tool? Uh, and then Yofrey Rodriguez with the Brewers. I'll talk about him more in a, in a second. But, um, you know, I think those guys fit the general spirit of your question. Uh, George Lombard with the Yankees, Eduardo Quintero with the Dodgers, Dewell Joseph with the Mariners, Rainer Arias with the Giants, Felnan Celestine with the Mariners, and Lonnie White with the Pirates are some other guys that I thought. Fit those general parameters um, of guys outside the top 75 with um, potentially plus power speed combinations. Danny J says, you are the high guy on Yofre Rodriguez of the Brewers. What visions of glory do you see? So Rodriguez was good at everything in the Dominican summer league last year. He was unlucky on balls and play. Uh, he hit 253 with a 289 BABIP. Um, 289 BABIPs really low um for the dsl defense is bad you know just so i you know i think he probably deserved like a 300 average probably um and then like i just think he's it's not even that i have visions of like he's going to be this player um specifically he's just too young he hasn't played stateside yet i don't think you can hone in that that narrowly on on a player's potential just based off of that but I think he's as safe a bet as there is from the DSL crop to keep building that momentum uh, when he comes stateside, because like the swing decisions were really advanced. Just seems like the hit tools there, there's power, there's speed. Obviously Milwaukee has had some success developing their international hitters in recent years. So that helps too. Um, we're just, you know, we're kind of in the discovery phase with the guys who've only played in the DSL. Um I mean, these are 16, 17 year olds. They've got a lot of physical and mental maturation ahead. So it's not like I've got a comp on you for Rodriguez, but I do think based on everything he showed, this could be a guy that helps you in all five roto categories. It's just kind of a TBD on which are his strongest of those categories. Michael O'Brien says, can you really go wrong with the first pick in a first-year player draft this year when choosing between Wyatt Langford of the Rangers and Yoshinobu Yamamoto of the Dodgers? Also, does having a second first-round pick impact your decision with 1-1, i.e. I I hold 1-1 and 1-6? How should this be approached? Well, uh, you should definitely check out the first-year player draft blueprint article that I wrote a month or two ago, um, because I, that whole purpose of that article is kind of walk you through these types of decisions. But, um, you know, one, one six, it's easy. Uh, you take Walker Jenkins of the twins. If he's there, if Walker Jenkins isn't there, you take Matt Shaw of the Cubs. And that's kind of assuming, um, Paul Skeens is gone. I mean, I assume Dylan Cruz be gone. I'd take Jenkins over Cruz, but, um, Yeah. So one six, you're, you're taking Jenkins or Shaw most likely. Um, so I strongly believe Langford is the pick at one, one in a vacuum. Uh, you know, I could see a scenario, especially since I don't like trading, uh, where I've got just an absolutely loaded outfield, like just absolutely no room, um, for, for Langford to possibly break in. Um, and some of you guys do have outfields that are that loaded. And I, and I think sometimes you're more likely to send me a screenshot of your roster if it's awesome than if it's bad. But I have seen some pretty ridiculous rosters from you guys this offseason. So, um, you know, if you're just absolutely loaded outfield, util, you just don't have room for for Langford and you really need pitching, um, you know, I could see a case for, for Yamamoto there. Um, there's also, you know, maybe it's a points format where someone like George Kirby is more valuable than Kyle Tucker, or at least as valuable. Um, if that's the case, then yeah, you consider Yamamoto. But I, I won't find myself waffling on that decision. Not that I have the first pick, but yeah, um, I'm a true believer in White Langford. All right, Rico S. When building a dynasty team. Is it better to constantly build the bats or trade for pitching or mix a little? Specifically, I have five stud outfield prospects and two picks high in this year's FYPD. Would you take two of the big outfielders or one outfielder and Paul Skeens of the Pirates? Okay, so I like Skeens more than Dylan Cruz straight up and it's close enough between Skeens and Walker Jenkins who I prefer slightly to Skeens that I'd be fine going with Skeens over Jenkins in your situation. I wouldn't take Skeens over White Langford. Um you know, you got me to talk about some scenarios where I maybe would take Yamamoto over Langford. I can't think of any scenarios where I'd take Skeens over Langford, but I don't even think that's really what you're asking. Um in terms of your philosophical question. Uh, you can't completely ignore pitching. I don't think when you're building, um, you know, maybe in like heavy trading leagues where there might be some weaker managers, you could maybe go that route, but I think you gotta, you, you want to establish your core of youngish position players. That that's the most important thing you got to do. Um, but, I think you should supplement that core by taking calculated shots on pitchers. And so like, I, I did a mock draft for baseball America a mock dynasty one recently where I kind of built like a foundation of, of young, younger hitters, but I was taking a bunch of pitchers um, kind of in the middle rounds of that thing. And even a, even a couple, you know, it, it's nice to have like an ace or two and just the way these drafts go, you know, you're, you're ideally not paying full ace prices. You're hopefully getting guys that turn into aces. But I don't think you can just ignore p- pitching. Um, and I think this, you know, taking skeins over a Walker Jenkins or over a Dylan Cruz, that is a calculated shot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you don't want to just be too rigid, right? Um, and you also want to pay attention to what the rest of your league is doing. Like if everyone around you is, is getting – at least some pitching, you don't want to fall too far behind. Um, but, yeah, you, you prioritize young hitting above all else, for sure. Uh, Jim Delaney says, Do you think that Jackson Holliday of the Orioles playing second base is a long-term move or just to get him in the lineup ASAP? Uh, I think it's more of the latter. I think, you know, shortstop defense is probably the worst part of Holliday's game, um, but he's still young enough that he could – develop into an above average defender there. You could maybe even do that this year, but I think putting him at second base allows him to win a job on merit this spring rather than forcing the issue and playing him at shortstop over, you know, Gunnar Henderson or Jorge Mateo who are better defenders than Holiday at shortstop. Um, I think we'll see Holiday play a little shortstop this year, but I'm not sure if he'll play enough um, to hold that eligibility into 2025, but he could get it back in 2025. So I think it's, there's going to be some moving parts on an infield. It's definitely kind of the latter, what you said. Get him in the lineup ASAP. Uh, Holiday could be like a plus defensive second baseman. So, you know, I think it's it's about giving him a realistic path to win a job in the spring. Doctor Octagon Cards says Thyron Lorenzo of the Dodgers has been getting a lot of buzz, but you have him ranked at the back end of the top 400 too many catching prospects out there to roster him or is there something that something there um yeah i mean if <laughs> i think <laughs> you know with like obviously not with like adley rutschman or i um and i i think i was the highest on sean murphy when he was a prospect but for the most part uh my rankings are not going to help you land high obp low batting average catchers it's just it's not something it's not something they're gonna help you do, um, but I was too low on Lorenzo in my last update. You know I think he should be around two hundred. Uh, I think he should be just behind Moisés Ballesteros with the Cubs and ahead of Dalton Rushing of the Dodgers. Uh, I'm so sick of ranking Dalton Rushing, um, but I stand by the general sent- sentiment of you know, he's a much better, Lorenzo, I should say, is a much better real-life prospect than a fantasy one. Real-life um, real, real life lists, they don't care about the rules of fantasy baseball, where you can only start one or two catchers. Uh, they also don't care how long it will take a player to start providing fantasy value. And Lorenzo is also just much better in OBP leagues than batting average leagues, which is another reason he's more valuable real-life prospect than a fantasy one, uh, at least in batting average leagues. and. Like, so if I just said, so Dr. Octagon cards, if I just said Lorenzo's upside is Francisco Alvarez, but you've got to wait three years for him, like two and a half years is the fastest he'll get up, but you probably got to wait three, maybe even more than three, for him to be playing enough that you would use him. But there's no guarantee that he's actually ever going to reach that Alvarez upside. You know, something could go wrong where he doesn't even – Become a, a big league catcher. Um, maybe he's, something goes wrong, and he's just not not as good as Alvarez. Where would you slot that player in the rankings? Is kind of the question. Um, like I, I see the ceiling, but I also see the lead time. I see so much that could go wrong on his way there. Um, I just there's so many good young catchers. Why would I be pushing this guy up um, into a place where he's among? Really talented players at other positions that I believe in, um, and uh, I also I kind of realized I was getting a little bit of deja vu with uh, Thyron Lorenzo, and I went back and checked and Diego Cartaya's production. Obviously, kind of a you know, Dodgers catching prospect who had a terrible year last year. Cartaya's production as a 19 year old at Single A was almost identical. fighter jet just flew over my house. Um, Car- Diego Cartaya's production as a 19-year-old at single A was almost identical to Lorenzo's as a 19-year-old at single A. So I'm not saying, like, obviously, just because Cartaya stock is tanked doesn't mean Lorenzo's going to hit a wall you know, against double A pitching, but just an example of what can go wrong. Um, you know, you're working on your catcher defense as much as you're working on your hitting when you're at that position. And you know uh, development obviously isn't linear, but I think it's it's even less linear with catching prospects than players to other positions. All right, net golfer twenty four says, how much would you pay for White Langford in an open auction um, deep long-term keeper league where you add five dollars per year to his contract? Uh, I'd like to get him for twenty to 25 bucks unless there's uh, significant inflation. Danny J says, how do you see Gavin Williams of the Guardians doing this year and year two? Uh, I think in 2025, Williams will be getting drafted um, right where Grayson Rodriguez, Bobby Miller, and Uri Perez are getting drafted this year. I think he's got similar upside to those guys, and I think he's going to show it this year. Uh, he did kind of show it towards the end of last year, too. Um, Williams, you know, he could suffer an injury. But I, you know, if he doesn't get hurt, I think Williams is going to pay off his current redraft price. Uh, Clint says two names I've seen mentioned early on in spring training. I'm curious about as potential sleepers: Will Benson of the Reds and Troy Johnston of the Marlins. Do you see either player making their clubs and/or having any value for 2024 in uh, 12 or more team leagues? that's uh, an interesting combination of names. I mean, he said Will Benson. Um, I don't know if he meant someone else, but you know, Benson's already been good in fantasy and gets drafted in all the serious mixed Roto Leagues out there. And Johnston is 26. He turns 27 in June. He's never played in the majors. Um, so, like, the Marlins are a complete mess in terms of organizational depth. Uh, so anything is possible with that depth chart. But Johnston is probably a quad A hitter. Um. With Benson, I think league format is very important. He's much more valuable in the NFBC, uh, where there's the two lineup periods, or in daily leagues where you can put him in the lineup, take him out of the lineup. Uh, you just you really want to maximize Benson's uh, opportunities in Cincinnati and against righties. Um, so if you're in a weekly lineups league there's just going to be too many weeks where you're just not going to get enough playing time out of Benson unless it's a deeper league. Um, so I, I love the idea of playing the matchups if you can with Benson, but um, you know, there's, there's no guarantee um, that uh, you'll, you won't want to use him for a lot of the, the weeks where he's just playing on the road or where he's going to face like half, half lefties that week. Um but I do think he's going to strong side platoon for the Reds this year. Uh, Stuart Fairchild probably plays against lefties. Uh, Johnston, you know, he's, yeah, probably quite a hitter. So maybe he makes the team, maybe he doesn't. Not not that interesting to me. Dubs says, is Tyler Black of the Brewers an under-the-radar trade candidate? Wouldn't seem to have a place on a team that's going to need to rely on a potentially elite defense for run prevention. Uh, I agree with everything you said, except for the part about it being under the radar. I think the Brewers would trade Black um, if someone met their price. I think he's just a very difficult piece to build around since he doesn't have the power for first base or designated hitter, doesn't have the defense for third base or second base. So just a, a tough piece to build around and a very tough prospect to rank. David M. DeCenzo says, I doubled up on Texas starting pitching prospects, Jose Corneal and Aiden Curry in a recent rookie draft. What do you think of their long-term chances? What do you think their long-term chances are for rotation spots, given the age and health of the Rangers staff? I really love Corneal. Uh, he, he checks all the boxes for a future mid-rotation starter to me. Um, and there's there's really not that much hype around Cornel. Uh, I particularly love his command at such a young age. It's just it's tough to find guys that, that throw that many strikes and have have some good pitches. Um, you know, it's he's still young enough, and he, you know, he's six three. He could add, I think, a tick uh, to his ninety four mile an hour fastball. So I mean, if Cornel were to start sitting you know 9596 then all of a sudden we're talking about a potential like number 2 starter but um you know I think I think is great so great job with that pick um Aiden Curry you know similar ceiling to Corneal but he's just riskier uh, he's missed more time with injuries he's only got one stop on his resume where he's shown starter level command so um Corneal's kind of done it at every level um, so I, la- I definitely like Corneal more but Curry's got some upside Uh, Jojo Despero says, which hit tool first prospects that have yet to display power? Do you think will start showing it this year? Well, I'd love for Ryan Rocchio of the guardians to be that guy. Um, you know, I'm not really betting on it, but we can can always hope. Uh, I think Jet Williams of the Mets, he's already kind of made strides there, but I do think he'll continue to keep proving doubters wrong this year in the power department. Curtis Mead with the Rays, I think, is a strong candidate here. Um, Really, really good hit tool with Curtis Mead. I think he's more of a 2025 power breakout bet, uh, but it could happen this year. You never know. Um, Two guys were definitely worth watching. Max Clark with the Tigers, Dale Amador with the Rockies. They're already top 50 prospects, but if those guys get to another level with the power this year, they'll probably finish the year's top ten prospects. But I do have um, three actual guys that I will give you. Um, James Triantos with the Cubs. Now, he doesn't really have anywhere to play with the Cubs uh, right now, but he's my favorite answer here. I've, I've heard he had a really good uh, offseason at driveline. Uh, obviously, went there to, to try to get to more power because we know the hit tool is really legit. So James Triantos is my favorite answer here. But also throwing South Stewart with the Reds. You know, he's a big guy, he's, you know, coming into the draft. I think everyone thought he was going to hit for, for a decent amount of power. Um, I think, you know, either this year or next year, Stewart's going to start showing that above average power in games. And then uh, Daryl Hernandez with the A's. I'm not talking like 20 homer juice here, but I think people could be surprised by, you know, Daryl Hernandez maybe hitting 15 bombs this year or next year. Um, obviously he's got a really strong bat-to-ball ability. Uh, the Shermanable, the Shermanable. I don't know. Um, feels like there is a wide range of outcomes for Max Clark of the Tigers. How do you value those different paths to value compared to, say, a Brock Wilkin of the Brewers, where it's more like one obvious path? Uh, so Clark and Wilkin are definitely two polar opposite first-year player draft hitting prospects. I've got Clark five spots ahead of Wilkin on the top 400 because he's got the higher ceiling thanks to 70 grade speed. There's no guarantee Clark even gets to 20 homer power, and especially in that park. But, you know, he should get to 10 to 15 homer power at least. Um, and there's also no guarantee that Wilkin makes enough contact to hit like 250 uh, or even 245. So um, while I see a chance for Wilkin to be a 265 hitter or so, um just based on the track the strides he made last year um in college wilkins hit tool is probably just as ricky as clark's power so i think the, the speed the pedigree with with clark kind of pushes him past Wilkins to me but they are really close to each other on my rankings. T-O-double-D says any chance we see Roman Anthony of the Red Sox or Walker Jenkins of the twins this year? If not this year, do they break camp next year? Anthony and Jenkins are both poised for late August debuts. If they play to their potential this year and stay completely healthy, unless there's just no argument for any of the twins or Red Sox outfielders to lose playing time at that point in the season. Like they're not going to just, the Red Sox and twins aren't going to just be like, all right, well, the, calendar is now at the point where we can bring them up. They won't lose rookie eligibility. If there's not playing time for those guys, I don't think they'll they'll come up, but you know, there's probably there's usually playing time. Um, but they have to just do, you know, whatever the best case scenario is for like Jenkins, especially Anthony probably comes up in late August if he's healthy. Um, but like Jenkins just needs to really meet my very high expectations for him. And if he does that, I think we could see him in late August and then, obviously if they they come up in late august they they would probably break camp next year. They could even break camp though next year if they don't come up. Um you know maybe the twins move on from Max Kepler or something and they just really clear out a spot for for Walker Jenkins next year even if he doesn't come up this year but we'll see. Uh trader Andy says what can you see Austin Wells of the Yankees accomplishing in the majors this year? Uh biggest thing for Wells is for him to be a good enough defender behind the plate that it's not a part of the story with him. Um, like I could see a scenario where Yankees pitchers want Jose Trevino back there, Yankees front office wants Wells back there, and the manager's kind of stuck trying to serve both parties. So um I'm you know, just really it'd be nice for Wells defense to not just be an ongoing story with like pitchers not wanting to throw to him or anything like that. Um in terms of the fantasy production, I'd be thrilled to like a 230 average and um, like 18 homers and a few steals. Obviously, I think Wells is probably a better OBP guy than a batting average guy. Um, but I, I'm just not sure he, he's going to play enough to get to those 18 homers. Um, so I, I've been taking Jose Trevino. I think I got him in one league where he goes um, compared to where Austin Wells goes. Obviously, a third catcher with Trevino, but – Uh, If I had to take one of those two Yankees catchers at cost, I would probably take Trevino. Um, San Francisco Giants asks, thoughts on Logan Henderson with the Brewers, Yoniel Caret with the Rays, and Reggie Crawford with the Giants? Well, San Francisco Giants uh, and anyone else, um, please go check out the Relief Pitching Prospect rankings article that I put up last week. Uh, I touched on Caret and Crawford there. Uh, Currett and Crawford, uh, they both have ninth inning stuff, obviously. Um, Currett needs to improve his command by like at least a full grade to get there, but Rays added him to the 40-man roster, and he had like an 18% walk rate last year, so like that tells you how good the stuff is. Uh, when I first watched Reggie Crawford pitching in pro games, the very first thing I thought was like, get this guy to the ninth inning ASAP um, because I just, I don't think he's a starter. You know, giants probably will try to make him one, but I mean, he's got so many, so much durability stuff on the ledger already. He's hurt already. Like, so, you know, I think Reggie Crawford could be getting high leverage outs for the giants by the end of this season, if they moved into the bullpen right away, I don't think that happens. Um, And again, he has to stay healthy. He's already hurt. Um, it is nice that Crawford ditched hitting, but that was kind of already baked the where I had him ranked. Um, so I don't think Kurt or Crawford are starters, but I do think they could be just lights out relievers. Um, eventually Logan Henderson's like the exact opposite. Uh, he's going to try to become like a number five starter with the Brewers. He's five foot 11. He's a righty. He's got an 89 to 92 mile an hour fastball. I know the numbers at single A look good, but um, the stuff does not support the numbers. And I think best pitch is the changeup. That's usually the case with guys that out that where the numbers say they're a better pitcher than they actually are. If they've got a good changeup in the lower levels, that that'll do the trick. Um, and Henderson's heading into his age 22 season, no experience with a single A. So uh, Currit and Crawford, Lights out relievers, hopefully. Henderson, you know, at best. I think he's like an up and down uh, swing man type. Manny Perez says, Out of these players, who would be the most important player to draft for Dynasty? Colt Emerson of the Mariners, Chase DeLauder of the Guardians, Roman Anthony of the Red Sox, Brock Wilkin of the Brewers, and Lazaro Montes of the Mariners. Well, Manny, a great time to get a Roadwire subscription. Um, I can tell you exactly how to rank those guys, but I'll do it anyway. Uh, Roman Anthony, Chase Delauder, Lazaro Montes, Colt Emerson, Brock Wilkin is how I have them ranked. Uh, Feel really good about Anthony at one, feel really good about Delauder at two. I feel good about Montes at three, but I will say that Montes, Emerson, and Wilkin are all in the same tier. So uh, if you have any personal biases among those three, um, you could factor that in. Matt Singer says Lazaro Montes of the Mariners or Brock Wilkin of the Brewers in an OBP dynasty. Um, Just a lot of, a lot of Montes and Wilkin questions. Uh, Love both those guys though. Um, Montes over Wilkin for me, higher ceiling. He's two and a half years younger. That said, Wilkin is probably safer. Um, You know, college bat versus international bat. He's got upper level experience. Um, I'd be more willing to bet on Wilkin becoming an everyday player than I would with Montes. Like if you just said you have to throw a hundred bucks on these guys becoming an everyday player in the big leagues, I'd, I'd place the bet on Wilkin because it's it's more likely to me that Montes gets like exposed at double A AA or AAA than, than Wilkin does. But I think Montes has like Montes has as high of a ceiling as you could have without having any speed. Um, so, like, if Montes just rakes all year, he's going to finish here as a top-ten prospect. I don't really see that happening with Wilkin. Okay. Robert Lehigh says, does quality starts instead of wins significantly change the value for any pitching prospects for you? Uh, not really. Um, maybe you could slightly bump up pitchers on bad teams since I do slightly downgrade the close to the major starting pitchers on teams that project to remain terrible for a while since they're less likely to get wins. But for the most part, like the types of things that would make a player more valuable in a QS league than a wins league are the types of things that I value anyways, uh, going deep into games, being efficient with your pitches, uh, remaining a starting pitcher. Like it's all baked into the rankings really. Um and it just bad pitchers don't get to go six innings, um, so it's not like it's not like I've got a bunch of like good quality start options ranked in the middle of the rankings or anything like that. Uh, Chris Kessel says I can only stash one of Bubba Chandler of the Pirates or Noble Meyer of the Marlins for dynasty. Which way are you leaning? Uh, I'm sure that this is not the consensus opinion, but I like Chandler more. Um, he's I think they've got the exact same upside either Chandler or Meyer could finish the year as the number one pitching prospect in baseball. I think that's on the table for either guy. They're both on kind of a short list of guys where I could see that happening. And Chandler's just, he's had more success in pro ball. He's closer to the majors. He, he got up to double a last year. Um, so this is definitely a case where like proximity really matters to me because with guys that throw this hard and are this young, it's just, it's kind of a matter of when, not if they need Tommy John surgery. So give me the guy that's closer to the majors. Uh, Ragna BTC. What do you think Michael Harris's peak will look like? Is he a potential 30 30 guy or is he more likely to stick as a 20 20? Um, I could see him having some 30 20 seasons, 30 homer, 20 steal seasons. Um, Usually the younger someone is, the more likely they are to reach those really high stolen base totals. So I don't really think we should assume Harris will get to 30 steals after only stealing 20 bases uh, his first two seasons. And, you know, he might start hitting higher in the lineup. So does that mean he runs less than he was when he was hitting like bottom third? Um so, but I mean he could get to 30. Uh, like I wouldn't be surprised at all if Michael Harris went 30-30 this year. Uh my cop on answer though is that he's he's like a 25-25 guy at peak. Um Scoop says, does Junior Camanero of the Rays make a fantasy impact at the big league level this year? Yes, Camanero will make an impact at the big league level this year, but I don't know when he will. Um I'd be stunned if he was in the minors all season, and I'd be stunned if he didn't make an impact when he's up. Um, by impact, I kind of mean like, you know, like a 260 average and 25 homer pace. On um, like, that's the type of pace I think he'll perform at when he plays. But Caminero could spend the first couple months in the minors uh, if the older guys are all producing in the spring and there's not injuries. You know, they've got enough depth where they don't need to call on Camonero. So I think, yes, he provides impact. Just really tough to say when that is or for how long that is, which is why I don't have any redraft shares. Artur Dominguez says, What prospect can you see shooting up rankings this year like Junior Camonero of the Rays and Jackson Churio of the Brewers in years past? Okay, so... um, I used the, uh, the features on the top 400 that I mentioned where you can kind of isolate certain players. Um, so I arbitrarily only looked at teenage hitters outside the top 40. And of that subset, Roderick Arias of the Yankees, Max Clark of the Tigers, Leo DeVries of the Padres, Sebastian Walcott of the Rangers, Drew Jones of the Diamondbacks. Um you know, keep going, I guess. Aiden Miller of the Phillies, Josue Paula of the Dodgers, Polino Santana of the Rangers, Arjun DiMala of the Blue Jays, Ty Pete of the Mariners, George Lombard of the Yankees, Yofri Rodriguez of the Brewers, Johnny Farmello of the Mariners, Dylan Head of the Padres, Eduardo Quintero of the Dodgers, Joandri Vargas of the Dodgers, Jose Perdomo of Atlanta, Dewell Joseph, Seattle, Rayner Arias, San Francisco, Falmagne Celestine of the Mariners, kind of in descending order. Like that's that's kind of the clump of guys that I could see shooting up, and I obviously have them ranked in the order of kind of how likely I think it is that they shoot up. So uh, there you go. Um, Charlie says. How do you value prospect hitters coming off a season ended by injury, specifically Zach Veen of the Rockies and Marcelo Mayer of the Red Sox, but also just generally? I know you are not high on these guys for fantasy, but I am hoping they will bounce back and that poor performance was due to injury. Yeah, it definitely didn't help, um, Wiener Meyer that, uh, uh, like it didn't help them in the rankings that, you know, I already thought they were kind of overrated. Uh, before they got injured, um, with mayor, it's, it's just a ceiling issue. I just don't see a high ceiling with Marcelo Mayer. I see a pretty high floor, um, but he's not going to run, you know, I think he's going to just be fine in power and OVP and batting average, very similar to Colson Montgomery. Um, and then with Vean, I just see a very low fantasy floor and he's missed significant developmental time now. Um, so just generally, it's very, very player specific, uh, like Roderick Arias of the Yankees and Rainer Arias of the Giants. Um, they both had season ending injuries last year, which prevented them from logging a larger sample and climbing the rankings. But I still like them a lot. Um, so, you know, sorry, that wasn't kind of like a one size fits all response. But I mean, it's just very player specific. Um, all right. I think. I think that'll do it for the pod, probably. I've got a bunch more questions that I will include in the article version. Uh, That'll go up on the site uh, either today or tomorrow, but, you know, 70, 75 minutes or so, that's not bad. Um, As always, the Rotary Prospect podcast is brought to you by Fantrax.